voting for. Turnpike Lane. Turnpike Lane. Okay. What's that? Anyway, um, now let's say you go to where is it? Raphael's. For argument's sake, sorry, Mark. We'll go to Raphael's. Sake. Let's say you go to Raphael's and you ask for baklava, and you're waiting for this this um, wonderful heavenly made um, treat, and out comes a typical English trifle. How would you feel about that? <laughs> Some people say they feel right. I've got to tell you, such is my love affair with baklava. I would feel really disappointed because I ordered the baklava, right? But what if they said, well, but this is the best English trifle we've ever made. You know, this English trifle has the best cream. It's come all the way from Devon, because Devon, not Cornwall, is where real cream comes from. And what if they said, this has the best jelly and the best soft sponge stuff shoved into it, and we've mixed it all up. Like, we would still feel that actually we didn't get quite what we ordered, right? We ordered the baklava from Raphael's. That's what we expected. That was the thing. That's the thing we have a, I have a love affair with. And no amount of English trifle would quite make the cut, even if it was the best English trifle that we've ever laid eyes upon. It wouldn't be quite the same because we've ordered something differently. And so often in the scriptures, we see that God is particular in the way that he orders things. He orders things in the way that we do family. He orders things in the way that we do church. He orders things in the way that we do worship. And Jesus spent most of his ministry speaking out against the disorderly nature of the worship, particularly of the Pharisees and the temple system. And yet so often in the scriptures, what we see is that we want to produce the English trifle. We know what God has ordered. We know that he's given us something particular and specific. And we try and circumnavigate that. Or we try and find ways to find and produce something that's kind of related to it, that's kind of similar. But actually, all we're doing is, is giving the trifle. It's not the, it's not the baklava. I'm going to take this analogy all the way right into the rocks, just so you know. It's not quite the baklava. It's the English trifle. In Jeremiah 7, uh, God's people are being prophesied against, and there is a judgment coming. And the prophet says to them, change and mend your ways. Do not trust the words, this is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. And what the prophet is saying there is that these people were active in the temple. They were doing lots of good stuff. They were producing the trifle. It kind of looked good. It looked nice. They had their leaves arranged in the right position, if you remember when we looked at the fig tree a few weeks ago. But they were missing the way that God had ordered things. They were missing the commands. And so they had their traditions right. They had their ways right. But they were missing the actual thing that God had asked them to do. In Amos uh, 5 and in Isaiah 1, God speaks judgment against his people. And he says, I'm not interested in your feasts or your gatherings. And the thing is, the way they were doing their feasts and their gatherings was actually pretty good. It was according to the law. They weren't doing their feasts and their gatherings wrong. They were producing the trifle, but they weren't quite getting to the, to the thing that God had asked them. They weren't keeping his commands. They were missing the real essence of what he was asking them to do. And he says, I can't, I can't even look at this, away with this stuff. 
We do it in life and we see it in the scriptures. And today in Mark 7, we have this really interesting interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees. Now, it may say traditions and commandments in your Bible as it kind of gives that little line break. That was added a long, long time ago. But it's a good uh, way of framing this particular conversation. So I'm going to read it um, if you've got that. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with their hands that were defiled, that is, they were unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of the hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Now, there's a few things that are helpful to know. There's about 600 and something laws in the Old Testament, 639, I think. And washing your hands before eating a meal was not one of them. And so what's going on here to the outsider seems a bit odd because actually we would say washing your hands before a meal is a good idea. I have three and a half, four children in the house. I, if I had a penny for every time I say to them, have you washed your hands? Have you washed your hands? would be really, really wealthy. It's a good thing to do, right? And yet Jesus, as, uh, as the Pharisees challenge him about his disciples not washing their hands, he reacts really strongly and he calls them hypocrites. And I'm, I don't know about you, if you've ever asked kids to wash their hands, it would be a bit of an overreaction if they turned around to you and said, Mum and Dad, you are total hypocrites. You are totally way off with this. That would be odd, wouldn't it? But Jesus is really quite angry about what he sees here. And there's something about the heart of the Pharisees that he is challenging. And he says this, you have added this thing. You've added this particular behavior, the hand washing, and you've elevated it as if it was something that God had ordained. He said, what, what was a tradition, something that you have brought in, you have made it as if God had ordained it himself. You have made it doctrine. And he rebukes them for it. He says, you have a fine way of doing this, the way that you entrap people into this particular system. And I was reflecting on this over the last few days, and I was thinking, do we... Do we do this? Like, why does Mark record this particular scripture for us? And what is the value for us today? Where is the challenge, the check, the correction, the reproof for us in Mark's particular passage? And what I want to do is actually um, ask you a question. And to do that, I would like us to do something a bit different this morning. I'd like us to actually kind of get into groups. And uh, what I want us to do is reflect on traditions and commandments, but in particular about how we do this as a church community, how Oakley do this as a church family. 
And uh, the first thing I'd like you to do is consider what is it, if you had a list of traditions when it comes to church, when it comes to a worshipping community, if you had a list of the things that you feel that the church should do to be effective, or that it must do because we've always done it this way, what would be in that list? Now, I'll give you one because I'm doing it right now, which is a monologue sermon. A monologue sermon. There actually really isn't much of a scriptural biblical case for a monologue 40-minute sermon. But don't get me wrong, hand washing is a good thing. It's not to say that it shouldn't happen. But some people think that if it's not a 40-minute monologue sermon, that it's not of God. So, in your groups, have a little discussion about that, just for a few minutes. In that column, traditions, what things might go in there? The things that you think have to go in there to kind of make church successful, perhaps it's marketing, branding, good website, that kind of stuff. Or that we've just doing it because we've always done it in its tradition. A few minutes, just to have a quick chat. <clears throat> Okay, just because of time, let's, uh, let's just wrap this up. So um, just half more, 30 more seconds just to wrap up your uh, discussion. Okay, um, wonderful, wonderful. Sorry, it wasn't quite 30 seconds, I lied. Uh, anyone want to just shout some things out? What might go in that column? Do you want to put it? Where? Okay. Because, okay, that's an interesting one. Could you expand on that a bit? Great. So a worship, a worship band. Okay, we are very blessed to have a wonderful worship band. But that might be something that goes in the column of tradition because... That seems like the right thing to do. Messi?
Sure. Order of service? Okay. Any more? Oh, uh, Chola? Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So again, something about the way that we order stuff, because we've always ordered it that way. Okay, might go in that column. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So that might be something about the way that we, like, there feels like an expectation. I have to say, particularly coming out of COVID and now so many churches are streaming services, there feels like an expectation even more that we have to be really polished, that it has to be of a really kind of exceptional standard, that we have to make sure this thing looks good, right? Because Jesus said, they'll know you are my disciples, by the way, your services are really slick and worldly presented and, and uh, that kind of stuff. Thank you. Anything else? Yeah. <laughs> That's so true, Bob. Any, uh, any sub one hour preference people here? You know the Lord moves in the first 40 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Anyone who thinks the Lord doesn't move for at least 90 minutes? Uh, I know that, yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Okay, so length of service might be. Okay, good stuff. Anyone, anyone else want to shout anything? Welcome Sorry. Hospitality. Welcome to hospitality. Okay. I'm going to say anything more about it. Thanks, Bill. So that might go in the commandments column, right? Could be. Okay, good. Yes, Joe. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And again, that, that kind of falls under the role stuff, isn't it? So often in church, we assume that in church life, the kids are in for a bit and then, and then they go out and we're super grateful that we have a wonderful kids team and youth team, but that we're almost kind of just holding them for a bit before they go and do their stuff. It can kind of feel like that, can't it? And actually, as you were saying, Joanne, there's something that they have to offer, and, and we've heard a bit of that this morning. It's just been absolutely wonderful. Okay, anything else? Okay, so the next bit is, you may have guessed, same discussion, but what might go in the commandments column? What is it that the Lord has commanded us to do as a body of people? Okay, two minutes. Two minutes just to discuss in your groups and then we'll and then I'll come back to you first. Okay.
Okay, I know that was a quick two minutes. What has the Lord commanded us to do? What is the, uh, what is the essence of the baklava? Am I saying that right? I feel like I'm giving it a bit too much. Um, anyway, is that right, Anna? Okay. Okay, there was somebody over here. What were you going to say earlier? What was that saying? To love one another. Absolutely. We would all agree, wouldn't we? Good. To love one another. The Lord says one of the greatest commands. To remember the elderly. Absolutely. That is, that is a command. Remember we looked at the 59 one another's? Commands us to forgive one another. Absolutely. Right. When you fast. I cannot preach on that ever. <laughs> Can anyone among us? <laughs> okay, when, so fasting. Okay, absolutely. Thanks, that, mate. Great. Shola? Being one another's keeper. Absolutely. Falls into the, the 59 commands of one another. Absolutely. To love God with every, every sinew, every kind of thing that we have to love him and to worship him. Absolutely. Any others? At the back? Have mercy on the... Absolutely. Have mercy on those. And help the poor, did I hear, down here? Absolutely. When you do it for the least of these, you do it for me, my brethren. Yes. To hospitality, welcome of stranger. It is a command. It's what we've been commanded to do. Okay. And yeah. To worship in spirit and in truth. Absolutely, absolutely. To worship in spirit and in truth. I'm going to just put a slide up because um, I think we kind of got roughly the same list and this isn't exhaustive at all but these are some of the things I just began to to note down and for sure there are some things that are missing um, but yeah so often here's the thing I think so often we look at what's under the traditions list and we give that primary importance because we kind of believe that if we do those things well somehow that is what church growth will become a product of. If we, if we get the worship set right, if we wear the right clothes, if we have the right marketing and branding. Now, none of those are wrong. I really dislike bad marketing and branding. It will do my head in for weeks. But it's a tradition, and it's not what we've been commanded to do. The order of service, as we've already looked at. Now, the other thing about this is programs. Now, again, remember, washing hands is good. It's a good thing, and Jesus doesn't actually say, don't do this. But so often with our programs, that can lead us to a form of kind of holding something as if God himself has ordained it to be something that we are commanded to do. Uh, we're hoping to run Alpha in September. But one of the things I've noticed with Alpha over the years is that for some of us, we can see Alpha as our kind of tick box exercise for witnessing and evangelism. So we've elevated things like Alpha to almost be like a commandment because, well, that's how we do our, our witnessing and our evangelism. I love Alpha. 
I love Alpha. I think it's one of the best things. But friends, if we begin to elevate it to something that takes away from our personal responsibility to do what the Lord has commanded us, you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth, then it becomes something that's on the wrong list. It's the same when we do things for the poor. I used to run a ministry called The Galley, and it would feed uh, 60 to 70 people a three-course meal every Friday. The thing that would upset me so much is that people would give money to the galley. That was great. But so often, the, kind of, the tone in which they did it was, well, this is my bit for, for doing something for the poor. See, again, they kind of elevated this particular program and therefore absolved themselves from their responsibility to maybe open up their home, to maybe talk to somebody, to maybe pray to somebody, to take 10 minutes out of their day and show love and, and care. You see, it kind of ended up on the wrong list. And then when we've got love God, uh, on the commandments, we've got love God, love your neighbor. Absolutely. It's interesting in Ephesians 1 and Thessalonians 2, 1, Paul uh, congratulates the church. He says, we pray and give, give kind of glory for you. Why? Because they do all their programs well? Because they've got great worship? No, he says, because of your faith in Christ and your love for one another. Because it's a command. That's what Paul was interested in. This is the central thing. This is the, this is the baklava of what God has ordered and ordained. Make disciples. Who makes disciples? Us, okay, absolutely. Absolutely. It's for all of us. Friends, I would say this. The job definition of a disciple is in part that we are making disciples. What if the vision for our church is that we would be a disciple-making movement for Oakley and North London and beyond? But only that can happen when we see that actually to make disciples is the metric that Jesus measures the church faithfulness by. It is a command that we're to make disciples. How do we make disciples? How does that happen? I just want to take a little diversion because I think this is interesting. It kind of plays into where I think we might go at some point. Deuteronomy 6. If disciple making is for all of us, as Kate has said, and more importantly, as the Lord has said, but only marginally more importantly, how do we make disciples? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God, here's the two commandments, with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. See, discipleship making doesn't happen on a Sunday morning. It doesn't happen in a program. It doesn't happen by watching YouTube sermons, although that's a great thing to do, as hand-washing is a great thing to do. Discipleship making happens on the road. That's how Jesus made his disciples. It happens in supermarkets. It happens around a dinner table. It happens in the workplace. It happens in a snatched conversation somewhere. It happens in boardrooms. 
It happens in the pub. It happens at the sports places and the youth groups and the classrooms and the universities. Discipleship, if it's to happen through us, has to happen on the road because we can't all come to the church. And it's what God has ordered. It is a command. And friends, so often, so often, we get so het up about the stuff on the left-hand list. I've heard people leave churches because they didn't like the worship set. I've heard people leave churches because they didn't like the color of the new drapes, or they moved the service by half an hour, or because they didn't like the pastor constantly wearing shorts and flip-flops. I do own some trousers. <laughs> I felt it. I felt, I felt the rebuke. I'm not saying where I came from, but I definitely felt it. Um, People prioritize this stuff, but here's the thing. That stuff on that list, do you know what? It doesn't actually require the Holy Spirit. It doesn't really even require faith. We can do all of those things on our own strength. But you see, the stuff on the commands list, it has to come by him. You ever tried loving somebody deeply? I mean, look around. If it is a command that we're to love one another seven times in the scriptures and to love one another deeply, can you do that apart from the Holy Spirit working in you? I mean, we can like one another, right? Sometimes. But loving one another deeply, that has to be a work of the Spirit. Making disciples in the world we live has to be a work of the Spirit. Baptism is a work of the Spirit. Communion is a work of the Spirit. When we teach this word and we hold to it, in the cultural oxygen that we're breathing in all the time that is telling us to toss this thing away and to make it up as we go along. It has to be a work of the Spirit and it has to be the living Word. When we gather together, Corinthians tells us some will come with a song, some will come with a spiritual hymn. That is a work of the Spirit. Friends, if we don't do that, it's like a bring and share where everybody brings quiche. There's nothing worse, okay? If I invite you to bring a share next week and nobody brings everything, or you just bring quiche, it's going to suck. But church, when we gather together, and we've seen a bit of this this morning, everybody gets to share. Everybody should bring something. There's life in that. There's the spirit in that. Everyone using their gifts is a work of the spirit. But... In no church planting manual will it advocate for the list on the right. Honestly, I think most missional books will tell you about how to craft the sermon well, how to make sure you're relevant, how to try and get the best kind of slickest presentation, to make sure the coffee's good, there's parking available, to make sure the marketing's good and social media and website and all that stuff. And if you kind of put all these things into the pot, out the other end, you'll get church. But the challenge for us is to pursue this, is to pursue the commands. In Acts 2.47, we know the scripture so well. I want to finish with this. People might say, well, that just doesn't work if you pursue that. And I disagree, and so does the word. Sorry, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
and awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Friends, do you want that awe to be at Oakley? I feel like we touch the fringes of it. I love it. it just in the last five weeks, there is, there is something here where we are touching the fringes of the awe that the scriptures speak of in Acts 2. But here's the thing. This does work. The way that Jesus has ordered church, it does work. But to have the awe, we have to have the devotion. If we want the biblical awe, we have to have the biblical devotion. We have to be devoted to this thing. Not for our sake. Not so that we can build something like a monument and point to it and feel wonderful and proud. But for the sake of the people outside of these doors. If we want the awe, we have to have the devotion. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that, uh, Lord, you would continue to shape and grip our hearts through your Holy Spirit and through your word. Lord, where we hang on to preferences, and we, are all, we, we all have them, Lord, where we have made traditions and techniques and ways as if they're almost of a godly, preordained level, Lord, would you convict us. Lord, where we have turned a blind eye to the things you've commanded us and not given them the priority that they should have, Lord, would you convict and shape our hearts. And Lord, I pray for us as a church family as we continue to move into this new season, may we have a razor-sharp focus on what you have ordered, on what you have commanded, what you have ordained. And Lord, may we fly in the face of conventional wisdom and cultural oxygen and pressure and pursue the church that you have created. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. Well, uh, we're going to... Let's finish in worship. If I can just ask you to stand, um, if you're able. And if Kofi and the team are happy to come up. And friends, it's normal. I was really uh, just encouraged by the testimony this morning of the altar call. I just want to say this. Uh, we want it to be really normal for people to come forward for prayer um, because we're, we're family and it doesn't have to be awkward or difficult. And so if it's related to what we've spoken about this morning, that's great. Thank you. Uh, if it's not, that's also great. We just love to pray for one another and to make it a really normal part of how we gather. So if you do want to come forward for prayer, there's people with the orange lanyards that will pray for you. Um, and earlier on this morning, some people had some words of knowledge, uh, so I just wanted to, uh, to share those. We had an image of the bread of life and an invitation to come and partake of the bread of life, an image of salt, this kind of precious salt being scattered on the earth uh, for a particular purpose. We had an image of dry land and water trickling down and starting to fill, uh, to fill the land. Though you may feel it's dry, God is bringing a refreshment. 
we had an image of uh, an army on its knees, fully clothed in the armor of God, submitted to him. And the word was, we are the soldiers on our knees fighting the Lord's, uh, Lord's battle. We should go on our knees first against every war and scheme of the devil. And lastly, the Lord is calling people to him for strength and for boldness. So if that speaks to you, uh, you can respond where you are, that's fine. Um, but also, if you'd like us to pray for you, we'd love to do that as well.
Wonderful. Okay.